Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Here in 1 Peter chapter um, 4, we're going to finish up this chapter, and uh, tonight it, it, he's repeating some of the themes that we've already seen in uh, 1 Peter. Uh, he says uh, that we're not to be afraid uh, and think it's something strange whenever uh, we face uh, our trials and, and, and tribute, tribulations. Um, uh, no, uh, that's the norm. Uh, and he's, he's already been saying throughout the book and reminding us of the words of Jesus, how uh, Jesus said, if they hated me, they will hate you as well. Um, and as believers, uh, because we are strangers and aliens in this world, um, uh, we should expect the norm to be um, that we will face trials and tribulations. And um, uh, he tells us to rejoice, which is very familiar. In the very first chapter of uh, the book, we were told, uh, in, in verse 6 of uh, chapter 1, it told us, um, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while you've been grieved by various trials. Uh, we've seen this theme before, and we're coming to it again. Uh, the Christian response to suffering and trial is joy. And he gives us a new reason why we should be joyful in the midst of trials tonight. And uh, he, he tells us that we're blessed when we suffer. Uh, again, this kind of harkens back to the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, where Jesus said, Blessed are those who were persecuted for righteousness' sake, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Um, and, and, and here we, we, we hear the same theme that Jesus resounds in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, when Peter tells us that we're, when, we ble- when we suffer for the name of Christ, we are blessed. And um, then he, he tells us, he reminds us of the certain judgment that is to come. And he says that judgment is for the believer like uh, a refiner's fire. Uh, and the, the trials and the tribulations that we experience in this life as believers um, uh, serve a function of, of uh, refining us and, and, and molding us. Uh, into the image of Jesus, um, but uh, the same trials and tribulations that uh, that it, believers experience as um, as uh, a refiner's fire, um, Peter then then uh, says that the unbelievers who experience those those um, the same kind of trials and things, what will be for them? He says. Um, and then finally, when we suffer, we're to to, uh, to to entrust our souls to the faithful Creator. Whereas back in um, uh, chapter two, he uh, he had said uh, that Jesus, whenever he um, experienced the suffering of the cross, um, he entrusted himself to the judge who judges justly. And we're to entrust ourselves uh, to our faithful creator in the same way. So let's go ahead and read our text. Um, it kind of gave us a, a little roadmap here to begin with. 
beginning in verse 12 of chapter 4. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as something as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share the, share Christ's sufferings, so that uh, that you may rejoice, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you again for your word. Lord, you have spoken to us and have not left us to walk in darkness blindly, feeling about, stumbling around. But Lord, you have spoken with your authoritative word. And Father, we thank you, Lord, that uh, by your word you have opened our eyes and caused us to see. And Father, we pray that tonight as we look into your word that it would be nourishment for our souls. And Lord, that you would, uh, since your word is sharper than any two-edged sword, that you would use your word to, to, to do surgery on us, to cut away the impurities and our, our sinful tendencies, and to make us more like Jesus. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, here... Um, Peter begins a new section, and he says, Beloved. He, he addresses his audience. He addresses believers, and, and he begins by saying, Beloved. Now, uh, I, I mentioned this back in chapter 2, whenever he did something very similar. In chapter 2, um, the theme was very, very similar. But in verse 11, he says, Beloved, I urge you as soldiers, as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh. Uh, and tonight, again, he's, he's starting a new section, and he's saying, Beloved. And back then, I reminded us, let's not just kind of skip over this as an address and just forget about it. Uh, we need to be reminded of, of what this says to us um, as believers that, that, uh, that uh, Peter is writing to. He calls us Beloved. Um, as believers who receive this as God's word, we, we, we want to be reminded, we stand in the place that God loves us. That he has, has set his special love upon us. He calls us beloved. Um, 
We don't want, uh, and I've reminded us throughout the book of 1 Peter, we don't want to get the mindset of, of, a, of having to have a performance mentality of feeling like I've got to be able to make myself better and, and clean myself up so that God will accept me. Instead, we trust in Him, we come as we are, and He embraces us by grace through faith, and on the basis of the fact that we have been accepted, we have been beloved of Him, therefore we then go and we do what He has commanded us to do. There's a big difference there. Um, we, we're not working to try to get God to love us. No, it, it, once we are believers, He has loved us, and therefore, because He has first loved us, we, uh, we follow His commands. And what is it He's telling us to do here? Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. So something strange were happening to you. Think of him as he's saying, beloved, as a tender father. Speaking to us, he knows we are experiencing suffering in this life. We experience hostility from the world. We experience all kinds of suffering, whether that be physical and health suffering, or whether it be uh, hostility in the workplace, family relationships that fall apart, all of those things. When we experience those sufferings, he tells us, don't be afraid. Don't be surprised that this happens to you. But when it comes upon you, uh, remember, this is God testing us. And by testing us, it's not as if God doesn't know what's in our hearts. He knows what's in our hearts. Uh, by testing, it's more of the idea of refining. Uh, whenever we're, 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 he, he, he puts us through the fiery trials... And as, as he puts us through these fiery trials, the, the impurities of our heart, uh, the, the, the sinful desires we have are burnt up in the fire and we come out on the other side like gold. He's talked about this other places in the book. And, uh, and this is just another reference to that. He comes upon us to test us as, and, and, and we're not to think something strange was happening to us. Remember, Jesus said, they hated me, they're going to hate you. And he, he, he said, for so they persecuted the prophets. And what, it had happened before Jesus. It happened to Jesus. It happened to the early believers. There's nothing strange about this. But suffering as a Christian is the normal experience. Instead, he tells us what we're to do in, in, instead of being uh, surprised or thinking it's strange. Instead, we're to rejoice. Now, that seems strange to us, but we've been told it before here in, in the book. Um, rejoice in the midst of suffering. Who can do that? <laughs> Who can do that? And I don't believe that natural human beings have the power to do that within, within us. 
It's only when we have been changed, when we have been brought from darkness into light, that we have the strength to rejoice in the midst of suffering. Peter here gives us the reason why we rejoice in suffering. He says, we rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings. When we suffer as a believer, when we suffer righteously, not whatever we uh, do things that are bad choices and we end up suffering the consequences. But when we, uh, when we suffer as a believer for his name's sake, we are, as Peter says here, sharing in Christ's sufferings. We're identifying with him. We're being reminded that when we suffer, we're experiencing the same things that he did whenever he was in this life. Uh, and, and so much more than he did. Uh, the scripture tells us not, not many of us have come to the point of shedding blood for the sake of Jesus. Yet Jesus shed it all for us. And so far as you share Christ's sufferings, we were to rejoice and be glad that's a hard thing to do in the midst of suffering. To rejoice and be glad. But here he says, it's not, uh, we rejoice now in the midst of suffering so that in the future, he looks now to a future time, when his glory is revealed, we might rejoice and be glad. When he comes again, when he comes and he puts all of his enemies under his feet, when he comes and, and as, a, as a king, no longer coming as the mild child in a baby that we celebrate around, in a manger that we celebrate around this time. But when he comes again, he will come as a reigning king. He will come as a judge and, and he will separate the sheep from the goats. Um, our rejoicing now in the midst of suffering is something that... Uh, indicates that one day we will rejoice when he comes again. Uh, it's not something that can happen naturally. And when we rejoice in the midst of our sufferings now, um, it points to the fact that when he comes again, we will rejoice on that day. Remember also, uh, those of you who were here, Jane and, J uh, and Addie, <laughs> when we first started the book of First Peter, um, he, he emphasized the hope that we have in the future. Uh, the hope that, that will never fade away, that will, that will never uh, um, pass away. It will always, it's incorruptible, undefiled. There's nothing uh, about this hope that we have in the future that will ever stop satisfying us. That's what we're looking forward to. And that is one of the reasons why we can rejoice even now in the midst of suffering. Because we know it's going to end. It's, it's just this light momentary affliction for this time. When he comes, we will rejoice. Verse 14. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Again, uh, as I mentioned in my introduction, um, the, this comes straight out of the Sermon on the Mount, doesn't it? 
Peter was there. He heard Jesus say those words. When people, blessed are you when people revile you and hurl insults at you. Right? That's, that was what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. And Peter here, he says, when you're insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. And he says, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Um, suffering insult, suffering persecution for the name of Jesus is uh, something that can help uh, confirm for us. Uh, remind us that we really have been changed. Who is willing to go through suffering for Jesus? Who is willing to be called uh, names and and uh, experience uh, a social ostracization? Did I say that right? Is that a word? <laughs> uh, who is willing to go through that but, but someone who has really been changed by Jesus? And when we go through that, we experience blessing because we have the Spirit of God within us. We have the Spirit of God within us, and, and, uh, and we glorify Him. Then, verse 15. There could be a misconception here. As he's talking about suffering... I've kind of alluded to this already. As he's talking about suffering, uh, some might get the idea that all suffering is the same. But, you know, sometimes we suffer because of our own choices. Sometimes we suffer because of our sin, and it's, it's, it's facing the consequences. And so Peter kind of, he, he rules that out, and he tells us, um, it, yet, it, uh, see, verse 15, but let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, or an evildoer, or as a meddler. Um, the first two of these are, are pretty uh, obvious, right? A murderer or a thief. We think, oh yeah, those are the really bad people, right? <laughs> that, that's our thought about those things. Uh, let none of you suffer that way. Um, and and um, when, Not that those things are unforgettable. Not that those things are beyond God's grace. But the suffering that we might experience because of that uh, is is um, is not the kind of suffering he's talking about here. The kind of suffering he's talking about here is when we suffer for righteousness' sake. Uh, and then also he lumps in something together with that: a thief. We think that's pretty bad. A murderer. We think that's even worse. But a meddler. <laughs> Even the small things that we might think of as small, he lumps those together. Let's not suffer for the consequences of, of, uh, of our sins, whether, whether they be big or small in our own eyes. But instead, let us embrace the suffering that we experience as a Christian. Um, here, he, verse 16, he says, If anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. But let him glory in God. Let him glorify God in that name. Um, here it tells us, let, if anyone suffers as a Christian. Now at that time, a Christian, uh, the name, a Christian, uh, was not what Christians would identify themselves as. Um, the early Christians, you know, were called Christians 
Uh, first at Antioch, we, we, we're, we're told about in the book of Acts. Uh, and it was those on the outside who were calling believers Christians. Uh, the, those who were following Christ. Those who were a uh, little Christ, so to speak. Um, it was the outsiders who were calling them Christians. Um, so if we suffer being called a Christian because we hold to um, things that our culture on the outside uh, does not um, agree with, does not approve of, um, then then our um, response to that was not shame. We shouldn't we shouldn't uh, be ashamed of that. Well, 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 the well the culture at large might try to shame us and say and call us all kinds of things because we we stand for what Jesus teaches. Uh, we're not to be ashamed, but rather um, we're to glorify God. We praise Him because uh, we can suffer for the name. Verse 17. This is where um, the reference that I had in the scripture reading um, comes from. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? If the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Now here, um, this, is a, this is a concept that I, I think is a little bit foreign to us. Um, but it, it's there in the Old Testament, just like the reading that uh, Jane read from. Um, that God's judgment would come first to his own people before it would go uh, to the rest of the world. Um, um, I think here uh, of uh, Hebrews that talks about God as our Father. You know, uh, he chastens those he loves. Uh, when, when God uh, brings judgment to believers, it's in the form of fatherly discipline. Uh, he comes to us with, uh, so to speak, a rod. And he corrects us. Um, um, whenever it tells us it's time for judgment to begin at the household of God, uh, he's reminding us that the, judge, the, the suffering and the trials that we experience in this life as a believer, they may feel like we're under God's judgment, but in reality, what he's already been saying is uh, that those things are tests. They're things that are refining and, 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 and uh, uh, working out the impurities of our lives and, and uh, making us more like Christ and, and shaping us and fashioning us in his image. Um, but if it's that for us, then what will be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? That is, what will those things be for unbelievers? Those who have not trusted in the gospel. Um, if the righteous is scarcely said here, he's, he's quoting from, uh, for, from Proverbs, then what will be for the ungodly and the sinner? Judgment for us, for believers, those who have trusted in Jesus, it all comes down to working out uh, all and, and sanctifying us and, and changing us and making us more like Jesus. But that when, when the judgment comes upon unbelievers, Peter here, he, 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 he closes this with a 
Those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. I'm going to point there to the word suffer according to God's will. Prosperity preachers will say, well, suffering is not part of God's will. <laughs> right? No, God doesn't want anybody to suffer. But here, Peter tells us those who suffer according to God's will. Um, God does use, and he is in control over even our suffering in this life. And he uses it for a greater good. He uses it to refine us, to make us more like Jesus. Um, and as we go through this suffering according to God's will, not uh, suffering as a murderer or a thief, but suffering according to God's will, um, let us entrust our souls to the faithful Creator. That's what Jesus did. He, according to chapter 2, told it, it says, He entrusted His soul uh, to the one who judges justly. And we're told to entrust our souls to our faithful Creator. He made us, we belong to Him, and we entrust ourselves to Him. As we go through suffering in this life, we entrust Him knowing that He knows what's best for us. He knows what's good. And we trust Him because He's a good Father. We entrust our souls to the faithful Creator while continuing to do good. So, all of that said, um, remind us of the very first word, beloved. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've trusted in Him, if you've been born again, you are loved by God. You don't have to do all these things in order to get Him to accept you. You are loved. Because he has set his love upon you. On that basis, the way as we live as believers in this life, when we experience suffering, we rejoice because we share in Christ's suffering. And we know that it is it is working up his purposes in our lives. We're we're as we suffer, he is making us more and shaping us into the image of Jesus. Let us rejoice in the midst of suffering. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.